Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everyone, back to another episode of Habits You Love. I always love these episodes with our on-staff therapist, Morgan Now McNeil. I can officially say your new last name. And we're excited to just get an update from you. How is your life? You've had a couple of of life events going on. Well, obviously, you got married. That was in between our first and second episode of this series. Um, So tell us how married life is going. And then you switched maybe companies or with your practice. Yeah. So I switched practices. I know I feel like so much has happened in between recording sessions. (laughs) So I switched practices and that actually went fully into effect um, this week. So just a bit of that um, transitional period where I feel like you're kind of have one hand in one company and one in the other, and you're just in a transitional period. So it's been good to kind of like get that wrapped up. And um, with that transition comes a lot more free time. I'm going to be working just less actual hours in the office. So uh, that's brought some new change of sitting in some discomfort of a lot more free time, which like me sometimes as an overworker isn't used to that. So it's been a really cool change in the new year to really shift focus on prioritizing like some hobbies and self-care and learning what I do enjoy in my free time and just trying to sit in that a little bit more than trying to then shift focus on work and overworking and and a little bit of that unhealthy cycle. So it's been really nice to have way more time for myself and just kind of like relearn what I enjoy doing in my free time. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy for you. So you're going to kind of work maybe part-time in the office and part-time at home? Yep. So it'll be three days a week in the office, which will be nice. And then some some telehealth hours at home, but really um, my commute is so much less too. So I feel like just really the commute time, I feel, I feel like once you get used to the commute, it's bittersweet. You get used to it, but then that also kind of forces you to forget how much of the day it takes up. Mm-hmm. So thanks to that, I'm working less hours and it's also significantly closer. So my nervous system is very happy. I don't have to get on the freeway <laughs> every day. Um, so that's Commuting does take so long, but I sometimes I'm like, okay, this is also a time where I not get done, but I have to sit down designated space where I can't move can't really do anything else I have to think so sometimes I like I like that but but I get it I get it when it's so weird when you have more free time than you're used to because you kind of have to like relearn yourself again and then you've probably have grown and your interests have changed but you don't know how to apply the new hobbies or passions that you didn't have time for before 
Absolutely. Yeah, it's eye-opening and it's it is refreshing to see just a different type of work-life balance and I it always sounds so nice in theory when you are working so much and you're like, "Oh, I just need some more free time and what I would do for it." But then once you actually get it, I feel like people don't talk about enough of how much you have to lean into a lot of uncomfortability and like mm-hmm. force yourself to enjoy the balance part of that. So, it's a work in progress. Yep. I get it. I get it. I get it. It's it's bittersweet. Like you said, it's like, I want to be busy, but I but then when I'm busy, I don't want to be. And then when I'm not busy, I want to be busy. So you'll figure it out. Is your hubby, does your hubby work at home or are you guys enjoying more time together? Um, With his schedule, and I feel like my old schedule in general, he does work from home a couple of days a week. So we do it. That's so nice during the week to actually like have time together and it not feel just so set on a work schedule. Um, but he is looking to like fully go remote or just a little bit more hybrid eventually. So um, we'll see. We'll see if we're both fully remote Whoa. or what that out to be. So we'll see. <laughs> Aww, well, I hope you're enjoying the honeymoon phase. So fun. All right. So let's actually, let's get to it. Um, we're, we are in a attachment style series right now. When I say series, this has been like, a dragged on series, <laughs> but it's been good. You know, we get to just surprise everyone every once in a while with these new episodes. So we are on our third insecure attachment. The next and final one will be the only secure attachment. Um, and episodes, we've already had two episodes. So episode 71 was signs you are anxiously attached, which I highly recommend going and listening to that. And then we also did episode 80, which was signs you are avoidant attachment style, which catered a little bit more to me personally. Um, So that was interesting. But if you are new to attachment styles, honestly, I am so fascinated with attachment styles. I think once you really open yourself up to that idea and get down to the nitty gritty, it really exposes and shows you exactly like the the map of your life and how you are living out your childhood experiences now in adulthood and through relationships. Again, I recommend going and listening to those episodes, but if you're listening to this one first, um, we're just going to quickly go over what is an attachment style. So this refers to the way that our primary caregivers, whether it be your mom, your dad, whoever took care of you when you were an infant and how those interactions affect our relationships in adulthood. So if your primary caregiver, um, so a couple of examples are like if they dropped you off at the babysitter or someone else, like how did you react? Were you scared? Were you sad? Were you okay? Because you knew they'd be back soon. How did you react to when they returned to pick you up? all the emotions there. Were you relieved, upset, apathetic? So you can find out a lot about your attachment style now through childhood and what your experiences were. Like I said, there's four types. We did anxious attachment. We did avoidant attachment. We are now going to do our third insecure attachment. And then the final one is the secure attachment, which is the ultimate goal for everyone to achieve. It's best to get into that secure attachment. So secure attachment is the ability to build healthy, long-lasting relationships. Um, It's when you feel really secure growing up with your caregivers, with your parents, 
And then ultimately, when you were growing up, you felt safe, you felt understood, comforted, valued during those early interactions of life. And that will definitely play out into your relationships now. And so with our first two episodes, I felt like we really touched on what you do when you are anxiously attached. What are the signs? How it kind of manifests in relationships? How it develops? Um So the way that anxious attachment style, just a quick recap, anxious attachment style, here's a couple of the signs that you might have this. So this is like clingy tendencies, highly sensitive to criticism, needing approval from others, jealous tendencies, difficulty being alone, low self-esteem. Those are just a couple of the signs from the anxious, from the avoidant couple of signs you might have avoidant attachment style, which you can go hear more about in episode 80 is you have a strong sense of independence. You are uncomfortable expressing your feelings, have a hard time trusting people. Um, You spend more time alone than interacting with others and a couple other ones now. So today we are actually going to get into disorganized attachment style. So I'm excited to hear about this one because this one's new, kind of new to me. Um, like I said, I really focused on on just my attachment style, which was avoidant and working my way into the secure. So I'm excited to touch on the disorganized today. Absolutely. And I think it's so great that we started off with the anxious and avoidant. And again, those, those would be great for um, listeners to recap because the disorganized attachment actually is a combination of both of those attachment styles together. So that third insecure attachment style, disorganized, is also you, um, through research, it'll also um, be labeled as fearful avoided. And that is truly the combination of both the anxious attachment style and the avoidant um, really mesh together. And that's really what makes it the most... um, difficult to understand the most complex um it i part of me feels bad saying this because all of the attachment styles are unique in their own ways but truly this through research and through healing and just thinking about those attachment wounds this is the most difficult one to heal yeah because it's um the most common causes are from trauma neglect and abuse right yeah, yeah it's so- like fear of your parents and your own safety so yeah it's really hard to untangle Absolutely. It's it's really complex because with the anxious attachment, these are individuals who really enjoy being close to others. It's finding that balance of prioritizing themselves with boundaries and just understanding and trusting that they, they won't be abandoned, right? But they love that closeness and love relationships. The avoidant, it's a little bit more, it's a little bit more complex as well, but these individuals really have the ability to lean into um, that vulnerability and emotions and learning that they are safe with individuals. However, again, with the disorganized, this really is um, about safety and consistency. This formed um, not just through abuse and neglect. A lot of times too, this is if parents are frequently dissociating or their behaviors are so wildly inconsistent one day they're really safe and one day maybe they just they really just can't show up for that kiddo or it's very fear-based approaches with that that kiddo their infant so with that being said there's 
this kid, this individual that then grows up and is in adult relationships has gotten a little bit of taste of both. They've seen what it's like for their parent maybe to show up, but that was never consistent. So they always learned that even when they do lean in and get close to relationships, that doesn't last forever and that they can't expect that consistency. And so that's the tough part too, is that disorganized individuals truly do want you know, to feel loved and to feel seen and to feel heard in relationships. But really once they're in those relationships or they think about getting into one, um, there's more self-sabotaging really than any other attachment style in disorganized attachment because it's like, but this feeling's really not going to last forever. Like this safety isn't going to exist for the whole relationship. So there's a lot of self-sabotaging. So again, disorganized is a really great word to label how inconsistent and how a little bit chaotic this can be. Yeah, it truly is a combination of both. And you get both ends of the spectrum. It's like you get the craving of love and attention and emotional intimacy, but then you self-sabotage it because you're like, then you don't know what to do with it when you get it. So Mm -hmm. disorganized, like you said, is truly like the best description of this, the combination of both the anxious and avoidant. Um, And this can manifest in relationships in so many different ways. People desperately seeking love. And then when they find it, they also push their partners away because then they also fear love. (laughs) So it's truly a combination, so hard to untangle, so many different ways that someone could get into a disorganized attachment through their caregivers. Uh, Like you said, just that inconsistent, but then like but then the kind of overbearing at the same time where it's just you're confusing the child so much that they themselves end up being confused as to what they want. So just to go over a couple of signs of disorganized attachment, if you are like curious about this, if you're like, oh, I think I might have that because I don't think I'm avoidant yet. I don't think I'm anxious either is this is a fear of rejection the inability to regulate your emotions, contradictory behaviors, kind of like we just said. It's like you're hot, you're cold, you're this, you're that. You don't want this, you do want that. So contradictory behaviors, very high levels of anxiety, um, difficulty trusting others, and then just, again, having both of those signs of the anxious and avoidant attachment styles as well. Absolutely, yeah. A couple things that really stand out as well that kind of summarize some of those traits. Um, When I explain this to clients or even are explaining it to their partners or parents is that this kiddo, adult, individual, whoever it may be, their biggest source of safety is also their biggest source of fear. And so when they're, when they're growing up, that biggest source of safety and consistency in their life that they're supposed to have sometimes is safe but it's also the biggest source of fear in their life as well. So trying to attach to someone when that fear feels so fearful and so scary is such a chaotic and difficult feeling for someone to regulate and for someone to identify if they don't know the source of this or why this is happening. It's it's so confusing to attach to others. Um Some others have labeled this also as um, kind of, again, that unpredictable hot colds behavior as I hate you, don't leave me. Mm -hmm. Because this 
they hate how this is making them feel and they hate what this is bringing up, but also that attachment of like, but don't leave me. I just want to feel safe. And I think that's such a perfect description of the difficulty of abusive relationships in general um, across the spectrum of different types of abuse is that attachment to that person that you love and care for, but how much you know it's not a source of safety and consistency for you. So true. And again, a child, all they really want is love and time from their caregivers, from their parents. And they don't know any different. They can't discern, oh, okay, well, this person's not going to show up for me, so I'm just going to take care of myself. It's you're truly an infant or a young toddler trying to over and over get this um, attention and love. And again, like your subconscious, this is like a deep-rooted programming of your subconscious and that really starts at when you're born it's through the age of seven but really zero to three is like your strongest um, development of your subconscious so you could be playing out scenarios from when you were three years old when you were 30 years old (laughs) so it's important to note this is not actually you know the time or the age which I am right now, but it's, I am acting out scenarios and scenes and emotions and feelings from when I was three years old. And so if you can actually start to grasp and and accept that concept, it's so much easier to go back and like rework, um, unravel some trauma. Um, and maybe it's not like big T trauma. Like we say, it's not that physical abuse. It's not, so much neglect, but even just a little bit of neglect over time can make it can make a, a huge difference later in life. So you just gotta um like I'm just so big on on subconscious programming. That's <laughs> like that's really where everything stems from. If you can they call it, you know, rewiring your brain or going back into your subconscious, into those memories and actually like giving yourself a whole new memory of that time. Your subconscious doesn't know the difference between what you're telling it now and what it experienced back then. So this is why it's so important to know where you stand in your attachment styles current day and then actively go in and rework those memories. Absolutely. And it's it's really cool. I've seen lately a few different teenage clients who have become aware of this um, just in new romantic relationships that they're having and have picked up on these patterns and who have come in so motivated, who are like, <laughs> I have disorganized attachment. I want to work on it. And it's it's really cool to see because to be able to identify um, and be so self-aware at that age and to try to- Did you say teenagers? Yes. Golly. I know. So amazing. I'm- it's so amazing. I'm I'm so proud of them. And also I'm like, wow, to to think of how much this is going to help you, just even the level of awareness going yeah. into your full adult relationships is is so cool. And a lot of what I hear is a mixture of obviously all their childhood experiences, but then as they're now entering new romantic relationships, like noticing, okay, some like this doesn't feel this doesn't feel maybe like like so cliche of like the movies or like what my friends are talking about. Like this is driving so much anxiety. This is driving fear. So it, it is really cool to process and to deeply work on it. I will say like some common themes that you will hear. So if you're hearing friends, 
um, family members talk in, in this manner, it's probably leaning towards they have some dis- disorganized attachment. But um, a lot of those beliefs are why even get close to someone because it's not going to work out. So just already assuming a tr- people like we can't trust people, it's going to end in a breakup. So what's the point? There isn't that deeper understanding of what it means to be close to people and experience that in a safe way. Um, So again, already kind of closing that door before it's even open. And even when they are in relationships, there is this constant um, pattern of trying to really push someone away pretty much of like, how much demands can I put on them? How much can this relationship hold and what are they willing to do to stay with me or are they going to leave me? Again, that that really self, self-fulfilling prophecy and that self-sabotaging behavior of I'm going to put all these demands on it. Does this person love me enough to handle this? If not, okay, it just reinforces what I thought. Like I can't trust people and people aren't going to be there for me. Without even, again, being aware of it. Yeah. I'm sure you're not sitting here just purposely, maliciously doing that and understanding why you're doing it. Absolutely. And those, both what they kind of label as acting out in the self-fulfilling prophecy um, is so common with a big quality of people who fall under the disorganized attachment is um, really putting a lot of demands on their partner. So rather than so much the clinginess, it's more of being demanding and wanting that deeper desire. So actively seeking attention and approval, but then overanalyzing those actions and like, can these person meet those demands when sometimes maybe that's not the most realistic for like a couple working together to try to figure out wants and needs. It can feel, it can feel a little bit more demanding in that way. Yeah. So just going to kind of go back over the signs really quick and then I, I want to go a little bit deeper. So a couple of the signs, um, fear of rejection, contradictory behavior, high levels of anxiety, inability to regulate emotions. Um, it also notes that this, this attachment style is associated with um, a couple of mental health conditions in adulthood. So that could be whether it's mood disorders, personality disorders, self-harm, and then substance abuse disorder. And I feel like this is the only one that really kind of highlights how extreme it can get with these actual conditions that people can develop if not worked through. Absolutely. That's a good point. And that that really does come up a lot in the research. Um, there's some good articles on that. I know I like frequently plug in attachment project, but it truly is such a great yes. resource. Um, they have a really interesting article about um, going into personality disorder, specifically um, narcissistic personality disorder and how those with that personality disorder, really the research is showing like it that's the attachment cell that's really closely associated with it. And it does a deeper dive on why that is. And that's a great point of kind of your more closely related, maybe like, and not, not all, but um, more mood disorders, personality disorders fall within this category of attachment styles. So the goal with any of these is to just get into secure attachment. And I know we've touched on how attachment styles really are kind of pliable in a way of they can be, you know, worked through fairly quickly, you can actually begin to work on these super quick. And I know you've, like you said, you referenced the attachmentproject.com, which we'll definitely put in the show notes. We've referenced a couple books. I know um, there's that obviously that book attached 
And then mm-hmm. you've mentioned one as well. I think, um, remind me if you Why are you for remember. love is a good one specifically yeah. for couples, um, with just understanding each other's attachment styles and, and really how to work through that. Um, a good one I'm diving into right now too is Hold Me Tight, mm-hmm. um, which really talks about um, attachment styles and same concept of how to really work through that together as a couple. So individually attached is so great in attachment project. Um, but if you are kind of noticing, uh, even on the opposite side of your partner has disorganized attachment, that is so incredibly um, difficult as a couple to work through. Um, on the opposite end for that partner of someone with disorganized attachment, they often feel like it just nothing they can do is enough. Um, no matter what level of trust or if they're meeting these demands, it's good enough for this person to feel secure. So as you can tell, that can really create a difficult negative cycle in the romantic relationship. So um, Wired for Love and and Holds Me Tight are a good place to start for, for couples. Awesome. Yeah, I love that you brought that up. It's This is the beauty about working on yourself and doing a lot of healing is because then you can actually look at other people and be like, oh, that's why you're acting like that. When you yourself have the self-awareness of like, okay, now I know all these things about whatever, emotional regulation, attachment styles, and you can actually look at other people's behavior and not get so wrapped up in, okay, they're not doing this to me. They're just doing this because this is truly how they are, where they currently are emotionally, maybe the work they have or haven't done. So that's kind of cool because then if you figure out your attachment style or you research all of them, then if you, you know, you meet someone, you meet a partner and you start dating and they start acting out certain ways, you're like, oh, okay, so he has this attachment style, (laughs) she has this attachment style. And it's not so much like they are doing this to me. It's like, this is truly just how they currently are. So yeah, I love that. You could kind of go in order of those books of like read the attached, do the attachment project, figure out your your own self first, and then move on into those wired for love and hold me tight. So that's really good. Absolutely. And and so true of just having your own self-awareness because this is that can be really triggering if if your partner has deep organized, really, really deep attachment wounds to the point where maybe it does take a little bit more of intensive work it, that feels too difficult alone. That's more of definitely going and doing some trauma work to heal those trauma wounds to help the attachment style. That would be so difficult for a partner to be feeling that way of like, okay, it doesn't feel like I'm doing enough or am I meeting their needs? What does that say about me? That can trigger so much for someone else rather than having that awareness of, okay, based on their attachment styles, here's how I have to communicate differently. Here's how I just have to show up differently when I'm triggered or when they're really, really deep in, you know, not feeling secure and not feeling safe. Here's what they need. It's not anything maybe I can do in that moment. So it is so important to be aware of your partner's attachment style or else, um, unfortunately, we're not going to just be acting in a way that will support their safety and their needs in the relationship. Mm -hmm. So it's almost, it feels like like a non-negotiable, like you just have to know your partner's attachment style. And based on that, just how their needs are a little different and how communication might look a little bit differently to just help them get to that, to that safe place. I don't know if you agree, but I feel like it'd be really hard for a secure person to be with a disorganized person. (laughs) 
I don't even know if that could happen. I think we've talked about this where it's like, is it even possible for these two opposite ends to even like have a chance? Because I feel like you would know right off the bat when meeting somebody like, oh, no, no, that's that's not going to work. <laughs> but I don't well, know. Maybe it would. I totally think it's possible. I think what has to happen is um, – say the disorganized individual has to be willing to, I think, be aware and lean into these changes because that secure person's going to make them feel so differently than they've ever experienced before. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, getting to secure attachment, even if maybe you're not doing your own personal work, if you're dating someone who is challenging those beliefs and is making you feel safe and consistent, showing up in a way that actually can lead to re-corrective behaviors that show you what that secure type is like. But again, that takes a lot of awareness to be aware of this feels really different than any partners ever felt. This feels completely abnormal than what I'm used to and my nervous system is used to. So it is totally possible, but it definitely takes a lot of awareness and work in that that person with the insecure type to really lean into these new corrective experiences that are going to feel really uncomfy, even though it's so safe, it's, it's going to feel so disruptive. Yeah. 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 I got to have a lot of awareness for that. Absolutely. You got to know in, in real time, like, okay, this is happening. Yeah. And it's so hard. It's not impossible. It's, it's maybe the, the process would speed up a little bit more if you actually were with a secure person. It's kind of like you're witnessing and they're kind of like expanding you to be able to see and witness that so much more clear as opposed to just like researching it or reading it in a book or you're like you're actually up close and personal with a secure person to know what that looks and feels like. Oh, absolutely. Especially for, I mean, when you think about any of the attachment styles, if you're an anxiously attached person and someone's implementing some really healthy boundaries and is just taking time for themselves, things like that, it's going to be so confusing for the anxiously attached person at first. But if they can see that didn't change anything about our romantic relationship, things feel strong and healthy when this is happening. This doesn't change how they love me. You get those new experiences to be like, wow, this two things kind of exist at the same time. There can be change and I can feel safe. But again, in, in real time, that's way easier said than done. <laughs> I just thought of a really cool app that I should invent. It's like um it's like a dating app or a friend app, but it'd be like be called secure. <laughs> and it would be everyone who has the secure attachment on this app if you can <laughs> connect with them be like i need a friend i need a secure friend i need a secure partner oh my gosh just That's speed up the process yeah or if if it if not <laughs> make that your hinge prompt or maybe along the first couple conversations you have of what is your attachment style exactly oh my gosh yes they should add that to hinge as like a <laughs> bullet point what is your attachment style and if they don't know they need to go figure it out before they are allowed to date anyone. Yes, I think absolutely. <sighs> oh my gosh. Okay, so like we said, the goal. The goal of anything is to get to that secure attachment. It's, we've touched on this before. You can kind of go in and out. Like seasons of your life, you could be avoidant and then tap into secure and then 
go back and forth, you know, I think mine could be a little, um, little seasonal, like with the seasons of life, maybe yours has changed with your recent life updates of you have more free time. Yeah, no, they, they will always change. And I think that is just something to important to note as well as, um, it, it's difficult because different people bring up different like attachment wounds for us and make us maybe feel more insecure or more secure. So I could say I'm a secure attachment style right now. I could have maybe say like a boss in a year who, if they have a really strong attachment style of some sort, it could really trigger some things for me. Mm-hmm. I would still stay secure, but it's going to create different triggers. Same thing with just friendships future coworkers, just certain family members in our life. So absolutely. So I just seasonal patterns, like as you're experiencing a little one coming in and just like transition, it can totally trigger and bring up some, some different emotions. And again, that kind of, to be a broken record, it, it really circles back to that self-awareness though. And just staying curious of like, okay, what is the shift and what has changed around me? And what is that bringing up for me? And what kind of, what do I need to ground myself and root myself back to? Yeah, I'm totally about to enter that phase. I'm, you know, two weeks away from having a baby and my ultimate goal as a mom is really to have this baby be securely attached. And so I am just doing, you know, I can't really do anything quite yet, but I'm just getting it already in my mind of like, okay, what do I have to do to make sure this kid is, I'm emotionally available for him and like aware of my own emotions and behaviors and, um, you know, modeling that to him. And, um, so they can receive it and grow up with those just secure uh, feelings and emotions. I don't care about anything else. Really. I don't care about the diapers or the <laughs> breastfeeding. <laughs> like, how can I not make my kid disorganized attachment? puts so much more mom pressure on yourself. Yeah. No, I think that's like one of the most things I'm excited about though, of, of having a baby is, um, it's just really like living out where you are currently emotionally, honestly, like all the work that you've done, like how, how are you going to live this out? How are you going to put this on another child? I get to practice what I have been doing (laughs) this for four years. So exciting and so exciting to see all of the awareness and how much you've grown emotionally to see, of course, as the little one is getting older of how they are responding to their own emotions and how they respond when you try to meet them with their emotions. Like it's going to be such a beautiful experience because you can Mm -hmm. tell that secure attachment with a kiddo as they're getting older and just the way they respond to emotions, other people's emotions. So it is, it is really beautiful. Yeah. So we'll have to do like a, follow up to this episode in a year or two. <laughs> See how I'm doing. <laughs> so let's get, let's get into the secure attachment, which we'll go, we'll do a whole other episode on a much deeper dive of this. So signs that you are securely attached currently in your adulthood. And this can either come from just because you've been like this for your whole life, most of your life, or you actually have done the work and gone back and Got, gotten out of that insecure attachment, but this is really the ability to regulate your emotions, easily trusting people, effective communication skills, you're comfortable being alone and just sitting with yourself and your thoughts. Um, you're comfortable in close relationships. You have high self-esteem. You can regulate your emotions. <laughs> Sounds like the perfect life to me. 
I'm excited to do a deeper dive on it too. I think the the tough part that I often hear uh, from adults or teens when we start to dive into attachment styles is that there is this belief of like, but I was happy with my parents. There wasn't abuse. There wasn't neglect. Therefore, I'm securely attached. And then once we actually peel it back in an attachment style quiz, it's like, wow, there's there's way more to that. So I think with just that being said, secure attachment really is there was consistency of this. And there was it, this was frequent. It wasn't hot and cold. It wasn't sometimes you got this. Sometimes you didn't get your parents like emotional availability. This was constant. It was more times than not to the point where that it was reliable, it was consistent, and you always felt safe with them to meet emotional and physical needs, not just, okay, but we we lived in a really great house and I had food all the time and I had fun with my parents. It's like, of course, those things all count for so many amazing things and memories, but again, when you really peel that back, there's there's a lot more to it on again, your own emotional regulation, their own emotional regulation, how they presented in relationships, their romantic relationship displayed. So there's there's way more to it than just kind of like, how is my childhood? So I just, I preface that because I know when people often hear this care touch, it's like, that's me. And it, yeah. It's more complex than that. Totally. That's, that's how I would be. If I was so unaware right now, I'd walk in and I get asked um, this a lot on podcast interviews or, or whatever. How was your childhood? And I just kind of have to go into this story of like, I was taken care of with all of my physical needs. There was always food on the table. There was always a roof over our head, clothes, everything. Like I'd never felt neglected physically, but up until just recently, I didn't realize how neglected I was emotionally. And so this sentence in here that I wrote down of secure attachment, it, it says secure attachment is the result of feeling secure with your caregivers from childhood and being able to ask for reassurance or validation without punishment. Mm. And like that last part is where I really lacked because I didn't get the emotional secure attachment. And so that part is where I was super insecure Whereas I feel like I'm really secure physically. To this day, I don't ever worry about my physical needs not being met. It's weird. It's like I was just telling Tyler the other day, like, I know if I was ever in a horrible spot, like a super rock bottom, like I have somewhere to go. Like I have plenty of people that would take me in, that would give me the clothes off their back, that would feed me. Like that never crosses my mind. It's just emotionally not getting needs met is where I've really struggled. So that's where like the insecure part comes in. Absolutely. And I, I love how those two things can exist at the same time. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. It's this isn't super black and white. It's just way more layered. And based on those experiences, it really is how did your caregiver meet your needs? Were, did they dismiss them, which creates more of that avoidant? Um, would they sometimes do it and not? And we're a little absent sometimes that created this fear of abandonment? Did they abandon you? That creates more of that anxious attachment. Or was it a little bit more frightful? Was it a little bit more chaotic that there was some safety, but there also was like a lot of fear. And so I think it. there's so many great parents out there who 
are doing the best they can with what they have and the resources that they have. Um, And it really is just sometimes the difficulty of parenting can really kind of shift some of these attachment styles. So yeah. I, I love what you're doing of gaining so awareness before before a little one is yes. to just yeah. do the best you can with these resources. Yeah. Just being emotionally available is is my biggest my biggest thing. Cause again, physically I have no no doubts, but it's that am I going to emotionally be well enough on my own to then be able to handle his as well and what he needs. Absolutely. So, so how can someone start to work on disorganized attachment and start to work their way up that tall mountain up to secure attachment? Absolutely. I would say really, especially for disorganized attachment, I I would say get the attachment project workbook. Um, You can get a hard copy or an electronic copy. And I think it's so great. I think that and to be completely transparent, it kicks up a lot of difficult wounds and it's really, really difficult. And I think with disorganized attachment, really when I start working on the workbook with clients, really starting to process those memories and beliefs and how that's showing up in relationships, it is difficult, but it really does such a great job of challenging your thinking patterns, challenging your beliefs, really gaining that awareness. Um, I think if there is a deeper level of trauma, um, if there was physical, emotional abuse, and this is also creating some trauma symptoms along with this disorganized attachment, um, I would recommend for someone to to seek individual help, um, preferably EMDR to to process some of that trauma that's underlying. Because if that is like really, really deep rooted trauma, you can gain so much awareness and do so much work. But if those trauma symptoms are also coming through, it's going to be really difficult to get to secure attachment. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, that was so good. That will wrap up our third and final insecure. Why is there so many more insecure than a secure? <laughs> no, I was about to say, I'm really excited to, to deep dive into secure attachment yes. and highlight um, that it is possible and go into a deeper dive of examples of this and just how it can show up in coworkers and friendships and relationships mm. and kind of what to look out for almost like the green flags and other people like almost how to find secure people in your life as well. Mm. Yes. We're going to create that app. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you can find them. They'll be on the app. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I'm going to reference everything we talked about, all the books we talked about. Again, the attachmentproject.com. I mean, that quiz is free, right? I didn't it- it is. Yeah. And the book is uh, not expensive, especially if you do the electronic. And I love that because you can just always have it on hand. Um, it's really great to get. So it's just, it's so helpful. And it it gives you such a good deep dive on secure attachment as well, your own attachment, how it formed, and then really goes on to hands-on um, worksheets and just actually like, kind of giving you the tools and the homework to actively work on it. So it's it's really kind of all in one. Mm, I love that. All right, guys. Well, hopefully this uh, helped you a little bit understanding the last and final disorganized attachment style. Again, go to episode 71 and 80 to learn about anxious and avoidant. And then we'll see you next time for secure. So thank you again, Morgan, for 
taken the time to jump on and discuss uh, your expertise on these. And I'm so grateful for not only what you're doing each and every day with so many people, but taking the time to come on here and educate the habits you love listeners. Of course. I love doing it. So thank you. All right. I'll see you next time. Bye. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.